where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. The sweet name of Jesus may be new to you, but it always reminds me of my friend Jane, Sister Jane, who used to always say, sweet Jesus, come and squeeze us. <laughs> and I love that image. So we have been um, looking at the fruits of the Spirit this summer, and this is our last Sunday of the fruits of the Spirit. There are nine of them, and I'm wondering which ones you might remember, you might call out. I, I got seven when I did my list this morning. So which ones do you remember? What? Generosity. Generosity. Gratitude, actually that's not quite one, but it would be a good one. <laughs> there really should be 10. Come on, whenever it's a trivia question about the church, there's always one answer. Love, thank you. Love is one, generosity, any others? Gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Kindness. This one, I always think of Amelia when this one comes up. Joy. What else? Thank you. Peace. Is that all of them? Oh, no, we forgot one. This one's a hard one. Bailey was here for that one. That doesn't help her grandma. Patience. Patience. And today, I think we got them all. Today we're going to do gentleness. Gentleness. In the letter to the Colossians, the teacher and the leader, Paul, writes, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and Patience. Wait a minute. It doesn't have um, gentleness. <laughs> you want to know why? Because often kindness and gentleness are paired together. But there's something else that's often paired together with gentleness, and it's strength. Now, there's an underlying attitude that gentleness is weakness, and that strength is what you need to achieve or to move forward or to accomplish something. But strength comes in many forms, and gentleness is one of them. In fact, it's that premise that gentleness is a kind of strength that undergirds all the teachings of nonviolence. 
Gentleness can be taught and practiced, and there are a lot of examples of this in sports. If you play golf, or if golf plays you, um, you know that overswinging is easy. You gotta let the club do the work, right? A nice, easy swing. Let the club do the work. Or in pickleball, you can overswing easily and then the ball just goes flying out. At least that's what happens to me. But most of my lessons in gentleness came from the kitchen. I wonder if you can connect to any of these. You know when it's hard to open a jar and you're taught to just sort of bang it on the counter a little bit? I've never quite understood it, but it works, so I keep doing it. But it's possible to hit it too hard, isn't it? That's a mess. And it's possible to hit it too gently, which is not effective. You gotta get it just right. How about being taught how to crack an egg? Do you remember how to crack an egg? Or someone teaching you how? I mean, you can't just slam it into the bottom of the, of the bowl. Useless. No one can pick out all that shell. Not enough? Nothing happens. And not all eggs are the same, so it's not like you just need to know this is how much. Eggshells are different, kind of like people. The key to gentleness is just enough force. Just enough for what is needed. Now, I'm guessing there's a lot of gentleness teaching going on in your house right now, Robert, with Gabe. Gabe, here's your little sister. Be gentle. <laughs> Be gentle with your sister that your hand just can't just fall on top of her. Be gentle with your toys. I hear it every week in Montessori. At some point during the day, gentle, be gentle. We're going to be gentle now. We're teaching and being taught what enough is. So think about that as we continue. What's enough force? Gentleness doesn't overdo it, overstate it, overpower it, whatever the it is. In the late mid-6th century, before the time of Jesus, there was a former Greek slave who wrote a collection of fables. All totaled, there were about 725 that have been recorded. And they were originally told person to person for the purpose of relaying a moral or a lesson. And the collection is widely known as the fables of Aesop. Have you heard of that before? The fables of Aesop, yeah. And there's one fable about the north wind and the sun. And the north wind and the sun were quarreling about which one was stronger. And there was a traveler walking on the road and they were wearing a cloak. And the sun said, you know, we're quarreling about this, but let's just agree that whichever one of us 
can cause the traveler to take off their cloak is the strongest. So the north wind agrees, and the sun says, okay, good, you go first. And so the sun dipped behind a cloud, and then the north wind started to blow. And you know the north wind is a cold wind, right? And so the traveler began to feel cold, and then the wind picked up a little bit, and the, the traveler did what we do when you start to get cold, right? You wrap yourself a little bit tighter in your outer garment. And then the wind let loose and just cut through the road where the traveler was passing by, and the, the traveler just clutched their garment even tighter. No matter how hard the wind blew, the wind could not get the traveler or could not remove the cloak from the traveler. All the efforts were in vain. And so then it was time for the sun. And so the sun came out from behind the clouds and started to shine. And at first the beams were gentle. And in the pleasant warmth after the bitter cold of the north wind, the traveler began to loosen their hold on the cloak, letting go even of the edges and letting it just flow freely on their shoulders. The sun's rays grew warmer and warmer, so warm that the traveler even wiped their brow. And then the sun became so heated that the traveler pulled off the cloak and began to carry it. But the heat continued, and so looking for relief from the blazing sunshine, the traveler found shade under a tree at the roadside. The moral of the story, of course, is that gentleness and kind persuasion win where force and bluster fail. The fable contrasts the difference between defensiveness, a defensive posture, guarding against the wind, if you will, and one that is more vulnerable, removing an outer cloak. Think about that interpersonally. Think about the symbolism of a cloak that is an outer garment that sort of shields what is or hides what is beneath it. Consider the ways we might protect what is within us if we feel as though a cold wind or harsh words or someone is trying to force our hand, we might retreat, draw in, hold tighter, even tighter. And then the sun comes out, a different approach, one that makes space for vulnerability or to remove an outer layer or an inner layer. No need to defend. 
gentleness does that. Gentleness says you are safe in my presence, you are seen in my presence. I am not here to harm you. But let me tell you, if and this happened once on vacation, we were walking in California and a car was coming down the street and a child was wandering into the road. That's not a time to stop with a gentle voice and say, come on back. No, you leap into action, you grab whatever part of that child's body you can and you scream, watch out, and you pull them away. But even that can be gentleness because you don't pull them away and put them down on the ground and then start to anything else, right? As much force as is needed can all be done in the spirit of gentleness. So gentleness doesn't mean that your voice is always in this careful tone. And I think that's where the misunderstanding comes in, that gentleness can't do anything. Gentleness knows when to stop. If the point is to get someone's attention, and you perhaps raise your voice to do that, gentleness doesn't need to continue in a raised voice. If it does, what happens? You hold the cloak more tightly. Now all this talk and demonstration about gentleness, these illustrations through the fable, that all came at the beginning of the week. But the realization that emerged and surprised me was that really of of all the fruits of the Spirit, gentleness for me, speaks most closely to the ways I've experienced God's love. Now I know typically when you say, um, how would you describe God, which is of course impossible to describe and know fully, and even the name itself has so many limits, but many people would be inclined to say love, right? God is love. And, And I'm not disagreeing with that. But what I'm adding to it is that it's a gentle love. And gentleness may not always be the first word that comes to mind. If you read through the Hebrew scriptures, there's a reason gentleness doesn't come to mind. And that's because throughout history and to this current moment, we project things onto this name that is beyond names and being which is beyond knowing that say more about us than they do about God. So there's a song that says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And in scripture, in the book of Kings, because there are some really good and important things in every testament 
of the Bible, even the ones that teach us about a character of God that is not to be confused with God. There's Elijah, who meets God in an unlikely way. And here is Elijah, who has been running for their life and is standing on the edge of a mountain, coming out from a cave, just standing out there in the elements. And this is what it says in 1 Kings chapter 19. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, how many times have you thought that God was in the fierce wind or the fire or the sound of thunder or the crack of lightning? What about the gentle voice that comes from the stillness that says, what are you doing here? Or maybe it sounds like, what's going on? How are you really? When I contemplate those other natural events, I think, you know, they are, they do lead some people to consider the presence of God. You know, God had to shake me up. God had to wake me up. I had hit bottom. And I think this might be my Presbyterian roots coming, coming up to the surface that say, God doesn't have to punish us or do these magnanimous things to get our attention because God is always here. But maybe it is those big things that help us to see, that help us to hear, that help us to know. The Presbyterians also teach that, you know, God doesn't punish us. The punishment is in the act. If I were to come to you with scrapes on my arms, would you, would you have to say anything to me? Or punish me? I've got a reminder of the silly, stupid mistake I just made. It's right here. Or the report card that doesn't quite have a grade that's up to snuff? It's worth thinking about God's gentleness. Because if you don't know God's gentleness,
it's worth the time to consider because it really is a gift. How many times have you said, I should be better, I ought to be better, I wish I was, I wish I could? None of that comes from God. None of it. So I've prepared a video for you, and thank you, John, for making it into video form of images and words that speak of gentleness. And as you look at this, I want you to really consider how this speaks about God. And in the images, which piece of the image is God and which isn't? in terms of the relational dynamic. Who's God in this picture? Or what is God in this picture? And allow these words and images to come inside. And allow whatever you may be clutching or holding onto because of that north wind to be released. Allow there to be more space for ease. And remember that our God who loves so gently and so completely loves you just the way you are. And that gentle love will release the very best of who you are and of who you were created to be. Because that's how God's love works. So let's look together and let's see what God's gentle spirit will do. Mm -hmm. 